Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. Boxing. Here we are, episode number 101. The last time that we were here was in the beginning of December where we had our our uh, our centennial show, number 100, with our special guest, Mikaela Mayer. And now we're starting off the year with number 101. My name is Felipe Leon, and with me, as always, from the Bay Area of California up north is Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? Hi, good, thanks. Uh, just trying to slide into the new year. Quiet. Yeah, you, yeah here we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and Mr. Mr. Hall of Fame from Riverside, California, David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Good, Felipe. Uh, hi, Lupe. How are you guys doing? Hi, David. Good, good, thank you. Well, here we are, another year, starting another year to talk about female boxing. We've been doing this for about five years, I think, David. How long has it been? Yeah, I mean, I know five, I years. It. five years. Five so, years. We're uh, starting off. 16, yeah. Yeah, 2016. Wow. It was, I think, March or April 2016. So we're pretty, we're pretty close to mm-hmm. having our fifth year anniversary. And we are talking about female boxing. We don't have a special guest tonight like we usually do, but we do have a lot of to talk about there's been some stuff going on in female boxing in the last month since uh the beginning of december when we were last year and um and we're going to talk all about it um we're going to talk about our 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 best of the year of 2020 we're going to talk about what we're looking for in 2021 and a couple other things as well so why don't we start off and go to um to the fight results and we'll just go over some of the fights that have gone down in the last uh month Starting off uh, back on Friday, December 4th in Argentina, Daniela Bermudez, who is on a lot of the top 10 pound-for-pound lists out there. She's from Argentina. She's fought once outside of her country in Mexico, where some years ago she beat Mariana La Barbie Juarez in what was Juarez's first foray into um, the Bantamweight uh, division. And Bermudez of Argentina defeated her and now Bermudez has gone up to 122 pounds and has won the vacant IBS title there with the 10th round uh, TKO over Cynthia Gisela Castillo. It was in the 30th uh, second of the 10th and final round, and Castillo had gone down in the ninth episode. So Daniela Bermudez joins um, the other super bantamweight champions, which are Mayerlin Rivas out of Venezuela, for the WBA, the WBC Yamilez Mercado of Mexico, and then you have the interim champion Rachel Ball, which she won that in her last fight um, from the United Kingdom. And then the WBO uh, Super Bantamweight champion is the undefeated Dina Torsland. Now, we do have to mention that be- previously to this fight, the IBF champion was none other than the legendary Marcela La Tigresa Cuña. But for some reason, more than likely inactivity, 
she was stripped of the title and Daniela Bermudez, another Argentinian, was given the opportunity to uh, to fight for that title. Also on the same card, which I think might be a historic event, David and Lupi, is that the two other Bermudez sisters who also fight um, were part of the of the fight card, including uh, the IBF 108-pound champion, Evelyn Bermudez, who she fought in a six-rounder, non-title, obviously, beating Aixa Adema in a, in a non-title six-rounder, 60-54, 60-55, and 60-56. And then the other sister, who is a flyweight, Roxana Bermudez, was actually stopped in the, I think it was the eighth round, um, or in the sixth round, I think it was, her corner threw in the towel. So, unfortunately, yeah, not all the Bermuda sisters are top-notch. Two of them are, are, are champions. But one of them, Roxana, I think that was the second loss of her career, and I don't know if she's going to continue because she doesn't have a lot of fights. So, what well, um, about, ex- oh, excuse me, um, uh, the Gabriela uh, Alani, she's very, very good. So, the loss to her was not uh, a bad loss. That girl's a top prospect, and uh, she's actually somebody to, to look forward uh, in the future. She's very, very good. Yeah, she, she looked really good. Well, there you have it. So that's uh, go ahead, Lupi. You know, I was going to say Argentina was busy for a few weeks, right? A couple weeks. They had um, some fights going on that lasted that a few weekend. weeks. That weekend. Yeah. Yeah. They had some non-title fights and some smaller fights with like like uh, uh, mm-hmm. Victoria Bustos and Anaí. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I have it on here. We'll go over it. Yeah, we do have it right here. So we'll go over it. But uh, but the, yeah, they were pretty busy. But that same night on Friday, December fourth, uh, uh, well, it wasn't at well the night in London, a matchroom boxing in the zone. They gave us the return of uh, one of the major prospects out of England, Shannon Courtney. Courtney who scored a, seven, a pretty impressive uh, seventh-round TKO over Dorota Norick in a 118-pound eight-rounder. The time there was 135. And the last time that we saw Courtney was when she faced Rachel Ball uh, at 126 pounds. So she decided that that might have been – the featherweight division might have been a little bit too heavy for her, and she actually went down to Bantamweight. And she scored a, a pretty exciting. It was an exciting fight, and it was an it was a, a really impressive knockout of the game, Dorota Norik. So Shannon Courtney looks like she's going to be campaigning at 118 pounds, Lupi. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I watched the fight, um, but I didn't think. I mean, it was an impressive knockout. It actually was. But the other girl didn't really even know how to throw a punch, and it was kind of weird because she was wild, and Courtney didn't know what Shannon didn't know what to do with it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and even though it was an impressive knockout, it was to me. I thought after the it was the quality of the opponent. I mean, after that performance, I think I think she should go to the bottom, not the bottom of the list, but she should go under and let's uh, give uh, Ebony Bridges a, a shot. Uh, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm, I'm just looking at the performance, David. What do you think? Um, yeah, it was an impressive knockout. Uh, I see what you mean about uh, how to deal with uh, Dorada uh, Norik uh, with her wild style. But I think that was intentional because it seemed like as the fight went on, Dorada kind of uh, changed her tactics because it didn't work. And then it became mm-hmm. more of a boxing match. And then Courtney, uh, Courtney won for the kill. And she's yeah. got power. That little girl has power. 
Dorota almost flew out of the ring. She does have power. <laughs> no exaggeration. <laughs> now, one thing about the one thing about Courtney is that she does have a a um, a fan friendly style. Like it's a, like you say, David. Like you know, she's tough and 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 she. You know, you want to watch her. You want to watch her because she goes after you and everything. So now, let me ask. Let me start off with Lupi. You know, she has less less than ten fights. Do you think that she is ready now for what it takes to to uh, to fight for a, a title at 118 pounds? Do you think she needs a little bit more seasoning? I think she needs a little bit more. After that performance, and I, it was an impressive knockout, but I was looking at the entire performance, and I was thinking that I, I don't think she's ready yet. Not yet. David, do you agree? Um, well, I understand what Lupi's saying, but I also remember when she fought Rachel Ball, who's the champion now, and mm-hmm. I thought she beat her. Mm-hmm. I thought she beat Rachel Ball. Uh, now I, I thought that the fact that there wasn't judges but a referee that was yeah. a judge too, mm-hmm. I think that's well, the only judge. The only judge, yeah, was the referee, yeah, which we right. talked about. Now at bantamweight, currently the WBO champion is still, and I believe that she's going to be asked to choose one or the other. But the WBO champion at 118 is still Daniela Bermudez, the Argentinian who we just Please. spoke about, and the IBF champion is Maria Cecilia Roman, another Argentinian, and the WBC is Julian Luna, who just defeated not too long ago on Halloween, uh, Mariana Barbie Juarez. But the WBA title is actually vacant. So I'm looking at the rankings, and these are as of they haven't put, posted their their um their current rankings, the WBA for the January. So these are December rankings, so they're pretty uh they're pretty uh, uh recent. So number one is Maureen Shea. Shea. Is that how you pronounce her last name? Shea, like the Shea Stadium. Shea. Yeah. 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 So we have Maureen Shea who. I mean, we talked about it on the show before, David and Lupe. I mean, she fights and fights and fights, but she never fights anybody. She never looks to yeah. fight anybody at a world-class yeah. level. Why? Who knows? But she's she ranked did number fight one. Juliana. But that, how long ago? She did fight for a long time ago, five years. Yeah, <laughs> recently she hasn't fought anybody. Yeah, and then, she fights uh, nobody. Number two is the former, one of the most impressive Mexican world champions in the last, well, in the last, Maybe since female boxing has been legal in Mexico, Sulina La Loba Munoz, who at, at a point, I think she had either nine or ten defenses of that 115-pound title until she was beaten by Guadalupe Lupe, uh, Lupe Martinez. So she's ranked number two because she has been campaigning at 118. Number three is Rosalinda Rodriguez, who I believe is from Florida and is trained by Ada Velez, right? Yes. And then we have number four yes. from from New Zealand. We have Shernika Johnson. Number five from Venezuela, we have Diana Rodriguez. Number six is none other than England's Rachel Ball. Number seven, yes. number seven is Australia's Ebony Bridges, Loopy. And yeah. then number eight is Southern California's own Adelaida Ruiz. So she's ranked in the top ten. And then we have oh, Australia at 118. Then hmm. we have Australia's Bianca Elmir. And then we have number 10, Jasnelli Hernandez of Venezuela. So Courtney hasn't found her way onto the WBA rankings, but obviously being that she's with Eddie Hearn, a very powerful promoter, I'm sure that if he has, she could be on there on the January list. But, uh, wow, that's a pretty good list. I mean, 
Shay is the one that gets to choose or at least has to go down the list since she's ranked number one. So let's see what happens there. That's something to keep an eye on 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 who will fight for that vacant 118 WBA title. Ooh. Maybe maybe Shay will go down the list and take somebody like, I don't even think think she'd take Cobra, but maybe she would take Ebony since Ebony only has four fights. And that would still be a good that would still be a good fight. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. And then but, Reese but can David, be Reese at one point. At, at one point, or another has to ask for that fight. Mhm. Hey, David, you know, but do you think Shay would take uh, Cobra, uh, Adelaide Ruiz? Yeah, I, I, I think she would. She's actually very gutsy. She's a gutsy fighter. Um, I, I think it's always. Uh, what's that? Was this Shay? Was this Shay fighting like a featherweight or something like that? Uh yeah, she was fighting at at a super feather. Yeah. She lost to uh the girl from Peru for the championship. Uh, she had the championship. Mila Mila oh. Partida, Mila Partida, Lina Malpartida, something like that. Yeah. Kina yeah. Kina Malpartida. Yeah. And uh, she lost to her by knockout. Mm. Then she dropped oh. down and fought in that Mexican tournament. Yeah, she fought a lot. She's been fighting a lot. She has been fighting a lot in Mexico. She's half Mexican or something like that. Well, let's move on with the uh, review. Saturday, December 5th in Argentina, Nazarino Romero's knocked out in the second round. Now, this lady is the most Argentinian lady I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Her name is Julieta Andrea Inés Cardoso. Three three names and then the last name. Three first names. Julieta Andrea Inés Cardoso. She got stopped in the second round. Uh, Romero was defending her interim WBA 122-pound title. The, it was at 138. And then we go to Saturday, December 12th in Mexico City. Promesiones del Pueblo on Televisa gave us a changing of the guard with Lourdes, La Pequeña Lulu Juarez, scoring a unanimous decision over Guadalupe Lupita Martinez for the 115-pound WBC title. Scores there were 97-93, two times in 96-93. This fight was one of the, one of the best fights of the year. Very um, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of action, a lot of action, but oh, yeah. somewhat somewhat technical and strategic fight because mm-hmm. you have Lupe mm-hmm. Martinez who really she doesn't have a lot of skills, she doesn't have a lot of techniques, but she has a lot of uh, a lot of condition and a lot of relentlessness. She just throws punches and punches yeah. and punches, and, and then yeah, you have Lourdes Juarez. Yes. And then you have Lupita, you had Lourdes Juarez who had to, you know, keep her at bay, but also land punches, which she was able to do as Lupita Martinez was coming in. So it was a very, very, very good fight. David, what were your thoughts? I, I mean, I was surprised. I, I felt that Lourdes could beat her. I, in fact, I felt that she should have been a world champion many years ago. Uh, uh, not many years ago, but two years ago at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, she never just got her shot. And then she finally gets her shot at a heavier weight instead of her legitimate weight, and she won the title anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was pretty impressive, you know. Um, you know, that's, some, that, that's one thing that we had uh, mentioned on the show uh, previously, that, you know, she was going up in weight, and that could have been a disadvantage for her. But it turned out not to be that big of a difference. I mean, I didn't really see Lupita Martinez having an uh, a, uh, advantage in size. Did you see it, Lupita? No, I didn't see it at all. I saw an ex- it was exciting, and that knockdown was so nice. You know, I, I like the fights like that where they just keep going at it because they were going at it. 
and they just keep moving forward and throwing beautiful combinations. It was that was a really exciting fight. Now, David, do you think that Lupita Martinez deserves a rematch, or you think that it was enough for Juarez to move forward? Um, I don't know. I mean, of course she deserves a rematch if it wasn't you know lopsided. But there's so many other girls that deserve uh, fights too, and and why stop there? I mean, as it is, it's hard enough for a, a girl to get a world title opportunity. Why stick with the same people over and over? Uh, kind of yeah. like uh, what happened with Yesenia and uh, and uh, what's the other girl that she fought like two, three times? Esmeralda uh, Moreno. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, give the other girls a shot. Yeah. Now, one one fighter that has been asking for a rematch, actually, for the opportunity, they fought already, is Diana La Bonita Fernandez from Ciudad Juarez. Lourdes already beat her, but they are under the yeah. same banner, and she has she's she's asking for the rematch. And she's actually ranked number one by the WBC, and she's the WBC Latino champion. So if anybody deserves a rematch besides um, – um, Lupita Martinez is Diana Fernandez because she is ranked number one. Now, the number two is Tarisha Douglas from the USA, but we haven't... Tarisha Douglas, I don't remember the last time that she fought. So... And then Christina Ruiz from the United States is all is ranked number three. Isn't, didn't she just have a baby or was that her sister? I don't know. Good question. And then we have... Uh, we have... It's, it's kind of like a battle of the models. Yeah, Diana Fernandez. Then we in the then uh, number four is He Young Yu from South Korea. I never seen her. Who knows if she really exists? Then from Argentina, we have the actually the the IBF champion, and she's ranked number. Uh, the IBF champion is ranked number five by the WBC, who is Jorgelina Guanini. Then we have uh, the silver champion Yacier Noriega at number six. Number seven is Estrella Valverde from Mexico. Number eight, Maribel Ramirez, who I believe is a WBA champion. And then number nine is the former WBO champion. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, Miyo Yoshida. And then number 10 is the UK's Ashley Brace. So those are the top 10, 10 ranked. And Adelaida Reese, just to keep, just to let you know, Adelaida Reese is ranked number 15 by the WBC at 115. So, on that same weekend, on Sunday, on in Osaka, Japan, the one we just mentioned, Miyu Yoshida actually lost due, uh, due to a uh, via technical decision in the uh, sixth round. She lost her WBO uh, Super uh, Flyweight title at 138 of the round. The fight was stopped. They went to the cards, and they were 59-54 two times and 57-56 for Tomoko Okuda who is the new WBO 115-pound uh, champion. David, what, was it a cut? Was it a cut to Yoshida, or was it a cut to Okuda yes. that stopped the fight? Uh, I think it was a cut to Okuda. Mm. And she was winning oh, the fight, right. and she took the title. Yeah, she took the title <laughs> by the technical decision. Wow. They probably will fight again. So you, they're that looking fight. for a rematch. Yeah. Well, and we'll see. Well, hopefully, we we uh, we get a. Uh, well, it's but, gonna be in Japan. But go ahead. Eric. But Yoshida was knocked down. She did suffer a knockdown. Wow. Did you yeah, see the fight, did David? Did you, did you see it? Oh, I you saw a clip. 
I'm gonna look for that. Because we do we, we do know Yoshida, she actually came here in February and we saw her spar with Adelaida Ruiz at the Maywood Boxing Club in uh, Maywood, California. We saw Naoko Fuyoka, quite possibly the best Japanese female fighter that's ever lived. Um and a couple other amateurs that they brought along and Adelaida was there uh getting in some work with them and some other amateurs as well from the United States. So we saw media Yoshida here at, at the beginning of the two thousand twenty doing some work here in Southern California. So uh, hopefully we should get that rematch and things could go work out better for her. Um, moving on Thursday, December 17th from Italy, Matchroom Boxing on the Zone gave us Maiva Hamadouche, the IPF 130-pound champion, scoring an eighth-round TKO over Nina, the very, very tough Nina Pavlovic. The official time was 134. David, why did they not stop this fight before that eighth round? I mean, this Nina Pavlovic was done. She was done by the fourth or fifth round. She already had gone down twice, and they still let her fight to the eighth round. She had to be the brave one of stopping the fight instead of the referee or her corner, which did not. Yeah, I agree. That fight should have been stopped a, a couple of rounds earlier. She was getting battered. Now, in the last three or four months, we've seen, and we're going to talk about the other 118-pound champion in a little bit, but we've seen, I mean, 130-pound, I'm sorry, but we've seen all four of them, all four uh, super featherweight uh, champions, which to me, in my opinion, I'm sure you guys agree that the 130-pound uh, weight division is the hottest one in female boxing right now. So in the last three or four months, we saw all of them perform. We saw Terry Harper uh, perform. In England, we saw Michaela Mayer capture that WBO title against Eva Bramica. We saw Maiva Hamadouche fight on Thursday, December 17th. And then we saw the next night, uh, we, the next night we saw Kumin uh, Choi, who now we know exists, fight Alisa Silvato <laughs> and defend her WBA title. Lupe, with that said, and with and, and based on their on their last performances. If you were Maiva Hamadouche manager, who would you put her against to for for you to think that it's her best chance to go on and try to unify the division? Um, it would probably be well since Harper's out, it would be uh, Choi. Um, I mean she could start knocking them down, Choi Harper, to get to Michaela. That's why I think her the V fight would be Michaela Mayer. But, do you I mean, think that so, that's that, you think that's her best chance right now to to go after Choi? Her first her first chance. So what do we have? We have Terry Harper, Choi, um, and Mayor. Yeah, I mean, and Mayor. Yeah, because Mayor's going to be the hardest fight. I mean, mm-hmm. Terry Harper's not fighting, so it probably would be Choi. So but, David, I mean, do you it agree? Doesn't how it, goes, it, it doesn't matter to so, me how it goes down at the bottom with all those great fights. The ultimate uh, Michaela Mayer. Yeah. David, do you agree that Hamadou's best chance to, let's say it's a tournament, right? A four-man, four-woman tournament, you know, her yeah. best chance to go yeah. to the final is choice? I think, uh, I really think that Eddie Hearn's in control of everything. It's his company. I think he's going to match Harper against Choi. That's what I think hmm. he's going to do. But he also has he's going to match Maiva against uh, Michaela. I agree with that. I agree with that, well, David. I, um, but but Terry Harper's hurt, so when is she coming back? Five yeah, months. She, true, a good point. Very good point. 
Elsa, that's how, why it's like when was her last fight? Well, she just had it, but but she broke her hand, so. But that's like yeah, six, uh, uh, that's like six weeks, and then she has to go through 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 uh through. She has to go through uh, rehab. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, be, let, before we continue the conversation in Super Friday, let's go after a couple because we're gonna let's go after a couple more um, um, results, and then we get to Troy, and then we can talk a little bit more about that. Uh, the same okay. night, Thursday, December 17th, at the Wildcard Gym in Hollywood, NBC Sports gave us the return of Jelena Marjanovic scoring a unanimous decision over Iranda Paola Torres in a 10-rounder for the WBA featherweight title. Scores there were 98-92, 97-93, 96-94. Now, Marjanovic holds the WBA and the WBC titles, but the WBC did not accept Torres as a suitable opponent since Amanda Serrano is the interim champion, and she deserves the bid. So they just defended the WBA title. Lupe, what did you think of Miranovich's performance against Torres? Miranovich made it very clear that she was not too happy with it, but she did explain that she has gone through some tragedy with her coach, her long-time coach, um, passing away, and obviously COVID and everything else. So what did you think of her performance against Torres? Well, she might not have liked it, but I, I really liked her performance. I mean, it, that was a great fight. I and mean, she's in great shape for, I mean, I know she's only 40. She's in great shape. She's so strong. I mean, she definitely has some fight left in her. I'd like to see her fight before she retires. And I think she has fight in her. She's really strong. I mean, I don't see, I, well, we're going to talk about our, our wish list of fights, but I liked her performance. And I think, um I just want to see more of her. And I think it, it – well, we'll talk more about the wish list. But I, I was impressed. She's strong. David? Yeah, I think um, she uh, she was surprised by, by Torres. Uh, Torres turned out to be a lot better than than uh, mm-hmm. people thought. Tough mm-hmm. girl. Hit mm-hmm. uh, Mergenovich a lot. And okay. uh, it was just a rugged fight. I mean, I, I actually kind of felt bad for her because – this was supposed to be like a, a get back, get your feet wet again, and man, she got her head busted up. Love it. You know, one th- I was watching the fight, and obviously we know what's well, been talked about, and we're going to talk about it, like Lupe says in our wish list. It's part of the wish list. Um, but Amanda Serrano is right there, knocking on the on the door to the for that oh, yeah. fight. And this is a fight that has been talked about for a long time, and this fight should have been about five years ago three or four years ago, five years ago. It should have happened then, you know. Yeah. But yeah. but when I was watching the fight against Torres, I was watching the fight, and I was watching Miranovic, and I was saying, okay, how is this Miranovic going to face, or how is it gonna, she going to um, look against Amanda Serrano? And one thing that I noticed is her lack of speed. She's very – she's powerful. She's strong, like Lupi says, but she's very slow. Yeah. And one thing that Serrano has is speed and power. So, yeah. now, obviously, Moranovic, tragically, her longtime trainer um, is not there anymore, Milan. I forgot his last name, but his first, his first name was Milan. And she's working with Jonathan Banks, who also has worked uh, with uh, Cecilia Bracos. Um, and um, now, obviously, just because you're slow and your opponent has speed doesn't mean that's the end of, uh, of the fight. You have timing, and you're able to time her as she's coming in True. with her faster punches, and then you have power. 
So that's one thing mm-hmm. that Miranovic needs to work on is her timing because in the speed department, there's no way that she could ever develop the speed that, that Amanda Serrano has now. So that's one thing that I did notice that I did not like in her favor as far as the speed, but everything else as far as the power and her experience and her relentlessness, she's tough. She goes after it. You know, she's lost fights. She lost to uh, Soledad Matisse, Lucas Matisse's sister for the titles. She went back and won them again, you know. So anything that could ever happen to a female fighter, I think Jelena Moranovic has gone through it. You know, she's lost, she's won, um, everything. So I think the experience is there. So it, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Let's see if that fight gets made um, sooner than later, David. Yeah, um, I was talking to uh, Layla McCarter about Virginovich because they fought each other three times with uh, Layla winning two. Um, he, she was telling me that, yes, Virginovich is not very fast, but she was saying that she hits very hard. That She has a yeah. mean left hook. And she said, you don't want to get hit by the left hook. And uh, so that's one thing in her favor. Uh, like you said, timing beats speed. It does. And uh, it's one of the things that when Amanda fights her, she, she can't just go in there and rip away like she did against Santana. It's it, She's got to be a little more strategic, but she is. Mm. I mean, Amanda's a very good fighter. Okay. Now, checking our Twitter feed, our good friend, uh, Simplificado, I think he's from England. Um, he He's listening to the show, so we want to send him a, a nice hello out there. And he actually, uh, he's listening because he said... He said, uh, Happy New Year. He said, remember Bob versus Bridges were supposed to fight for vacant WBA 118-pound title November 14th. Hearn said he wants to petition for Bob versus Courtney for vacant WBA title next. So, like we said, even though Courtney is not actually on the rankings, um, you know, being that you're with uh, Mr. Eddie Hearn, you get to do a lot of things that uh, – that uh, not a lot of people get to do, and that one thing is to get in front of the line. So it looks like that's what they're going to try to do, and that's uh, and that's something good. I think he tweeted something else. Uh, according to him, he just tweeted this three minutes ago. Uh, Harper versus Choi is a done deal. Harper says she should return in April. Hearn already asked Mayor if she's willing to fight Hamadouche on Twitter. Mayor Manager said they're ready for the call, and that's one thing that I did Ooh. see the tweet from. Uh, I, see, I did see the tweet from Mikaela Mayer saying that they did receive an offer um, from Hearn for the Heimendus fight and that she obviously let her manager, George Reese, uh, take over um, and they're in conversations. So she, she hasn't posted, Mayer hasn't posted if that fight is done or not because obviously she's letting uh, the powers that be, George Reese and Eddie Hearn, uh, and obviously Bob Arum and Top Rank, work that out. So hopefully we get some announcements soon of uh, what is coming up. Um, so, uh, it might even be a purse bid. Uh, it might what, even be a purse bid. Between who? Because it, who's going to order, who's going to order the, uh, the, the defense with, which sanctioning body? Well, well um, there could be a, a purse bid uh, between the two fighters and between the two organizations, well, not the organizations, but the two promoters to see who, you know, who gets the fight and where it goes. Because even though uh, Hamadou's uh, signing was matchroom, if they're, they're both champions. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a purse bid, and whoever has the highest is going to get their location and their date. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I see what you're saying. 
Um, let's move on to so we could talk about a little bit more about that that division. Well, let's Santo Domingo the same night as the Jelena Moranovich fight in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, Amanda Serrano completely blew away Diana Santana in an eight rounder at 130 pounds. That was a TKO in the one they had faced each other before, and Amanda Serrano uh, finished her off no problem. Moving on, Friday, December 18th in Hollywood, Florida, on the Zone, Hyun Min Choi. In her pro, in her debut, actually in the United States, she's from South, actually originally from North Korea, defected to South Korea, and now fighting in the United States. Uh, unanimous decision over Kalista Silgado in a ten rounder at 130 pounds, defending WBA title 99, 91, 98, 92, 97, 93. First time we see her. Yeah. Tough technique. There's some deficiencies there. Um, I agree with uh, I I agree not so much because of the uh, because of Harper not being able to fight because of the broken hand, but more because I think it's the best shot for Hamadouche to get through to the final. Um, that her best bet is Huming Choi because I think that uh, Harper and the thing about Harper and Mayer is that they know how to fight using their physical advantages. You know, they're tall and they're long and they know how to use that jab and they need and they know how to control the distance. And that's going to work against Hamadouz, who is a lot shorter and stockier than they are. And Choi, mm-hmm. even though she saw, she didn't show that in this fight against Silgado. She did at times, but not as disciplined as we have seen Mayer do it and Harper. So I think that if Hamadouz has a shot to go into the final, it it would be by beating a uh, human choice. Uh-huh. David. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I I really like Choi. I really like her uh, style. She's uh, she goes for it. I mean, she's not messing around. And uh, she's uh, you know she's. I thought she was gonna be a, a different style of fighter, but she turned out to be more of an aggressive, uh, go for it yeah. type of fighter. And she's entertaining. She's not messing around at all. And, uh, you know, I like that because it's good for women's boxing that you have people that, you know, don't waste time and go go for it. She has she has skill, but she prefers to be aggressive. And uh, I, I like it. I like that. So do I. I'm a fan. You know, I, well, yeah. now we know, like you said, she exists. <laughs> and I like her backstory, too, you know, defecting. And, and I like her footwork. You know, and I like that she really gets in there and fights. But um, she does leave herself open, and she gets hit a lot, you know? True. But you know what? No. On, uh, the crew, she might bring – she's good for boxing because, you know, defecting from North Korea and she's Korean. She's going to bring a lot of fans. She's going to get a lot of girls boxing because if you notice – I don't know if you guys are into golf, but if you notice the Koreans in golf, I mean, they bring thousands of girls and fans. So uh-huh. I was thinking about that too. She's good for boxing. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And another thing I like about her, and even even too about Hamadouche, but I, I think that it, she would be a little bit more hesitant. But what I like about Choi, what I like about Harper, and what I like about uh, Mayer is that they're so tall and they're so big for the 130 division, is that they're already champs. If they were to lose in this tournament, if this tournament does pan out, you know, like we hope it does. And if it does pan out and we see these fights in 100, in, in 2021, 
if Choi loses, she's like, okay, well, then I'll go to 135. You know, I already won a title 130. Let me go up to 135 and let me see what I can do there, all depending on Katie Taylor. And if she gets a fight against Katie Taylor, which can be done because they're under the, the zone uh, matchroom boxing banner, that's a good payday for her there as well. Same thing with Harper. And not so much mm-hmm. for Mayor because she's not under the zone. But I'm sure that if she goes up to 135, that's going to be a sought-after fight against Taylor if Taylor stays at 135. If Taylor at one point or another leaves 35 and goes up to 140 or at a catchweight of 47, then there's these other fighters that can fight at 35 for the titles that Taylor's going to leave. So there's still future for these women if they end up losing in, in this, you know, de facto tournament at 130. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now on yeah. Saturday, December nineteenth in Argentina, Devora Devora Anaí Lopez scored a unanimous decision with another three first name Argentinian, Ajelen Micaela Alejandra Granadino. Ajelen Micaela Alejandra Granadino, ten rounder, ninety eight, ninety one, ninety six, ninety four, and ninety five, ninety four. And in Monterrey, Mexico the return of the WBC 112-pound champion, Yvette La Roca Zamora, scoring a unanimous decision over Gabriela Sanchez. Uh, no scores were, were posted. And Isabel, Isabel, I'm sorry, Isabel, La Estrella Millan, finally captures a WBC title, capturing the, vac- the vacant WBC silver title with the unanimous decision over Cristina Hernandez also on the same card on Saturday, December 19th in Mexico. On Sunday, December 20th in Germany, Christina Hammer moves up to 168 division, capturing a, a you know, the WIBA, I believe it was, the Women's International Boxing Association a title, scoring a seventh-round knockout over Sana Turunen. And lastly, in our review, if our, if our review of our, the fight since uh, for a month, on Saturday, January the 2nd, in Dallas, Texas, on The Zone, well, actually, it wasn't on The Zone, I'm sorry, it was on Facebook Watch. Franchon Cruz deserves score unanimous decision over Ashley Curry in a Nate Rounder at 168 pounds. Scores there were 80-72, three times. David, you saw that fight. You saw, you mentioned to us in our chat that you liked Cruz deserves performance, that you saw some improvement. What did you actually see improve? Yeah, what, what I saw is that she was actually paying attention to her defense. Uh, she was um, more technical. Uh, she wasn't getting hit uh, with unnecessary punches, and she was working on her distance. I could tell. At first, she smothered herself, and then later on, she made the adjustments and and stopped smothering herself once she pinned uh, her opponent on the ropes. And uh, yeah, I saw that she's you know she's working. She's working because she wants that unification match. Uh, to be undisputed as super middleweight champion. Wow, Lupe, what did you see in that fight? You know, I thought that she looked less tired. Do you know how she get? It doesn't. The last fight with Alejandra, she looks more gassed than she is, and I think this time she looked. Uh, I think she was, like David said, she was working on all of it. She was really aware. You know, I thought I thought it was a really good uh, fight for Franchon. Take you know with the ring rust, and I know some people were giving her a problem about fighting Ashley Curry. I saw that on social media. Well, you're fighting this girl. But, I mean, for for a tune-up fight for Franchon, it wasn't a title fight. And Ashley has over 25, and she's fought some names. So I didn't see a problem with this match for a non-title fight. 
But yeah, she very, she was yeah, Curry was, you know, she's smaller. I mean, let's admit that she is a smaller fighter, but she does have a, a lot of uh, experience. She's fought a lot of big names and a lot of bigger names than Cruz Desern. And obviously yeah. she, knew, she knows how to stay in there because she stayed in there with a much bigger woman for eight rounds. So she knows how to do that. Now, I had the opportunity to speak to Franchon, uh the week before her fight for an exclusive interview on uh, theprizefighters.com. You can find it there where we talked about her last fight against uh, Alejandra Jimenez, uh, everything. But there are a couple of things that I didn't include in the, in the, um, in the uh, interview. And one of them was her, belief, her, her stand on the three-minute round. One thing we know about Franchon is that she's a fighter inside and outside the ring. When she had some issues with USA Boxing and other fighters that that were in her same generation in amateur boxing had some issues with the organization. She stepped up and, and she put some stuff together and she's willing to, you know, put her money where her mouth is. And if she believes in something, she steps up and tries to, you know, um, cause some change. So I don't think that we've ever found a, a, a female fighter on this show that when we ask them about three-minute three minute rounds, they they don't say they train three-minute rounds and that they love to fight three-minute rounds. So being that she is the WBC and WBO champion, I asked her what her stand was on the three-minute round. This is what she had to say. Um, I actually, when I went to one of the conventions in uh, the Philippines, we had a panel discussion about that, and they explained their stance and you know, myself along with other athletes explain, expressed our stance and how we felt. And it's not a quiet subject. Like, everyone is aware of how we feel. Uh, you have, like, the Sinisa and Marlene fight when they fought in Canelo's undercard and fought three-minute rounds. And it's other fighters who uh, who fought three-minute rounds. And, I, I mean, it's all... For me, it has to make to me. Like, I want to fight. I train three-minute rounds. That's fine. But it's beating a dead horse if we're not going to get compensated for it. If that's the only argument for not paying us more because we're not fighting three-minute rounds, then run the bag up and we'll fight three-minute rounds. But mm-hmm. it's no point of fighting three-minute rounds if we're not going to be taken care of as well. Loopy. You know, that's something that we touched on in the show before and one of the reasons for him in a round, you know. But do you think that it's the right stance that it has to do with the pay and not with equality? I mean, obviously, pay equality has a lot to do with it, but fighting a three-minute round just basically says that women are capable of fighting a three-minute round just like they, the men are. So do you think that it's the right stance to, to take on the pay aspect of it, or, or do you think that she's right on it? Yeah, I mean, well, how much is it worth to you to fight that three minutes? And it, you know, I mean, if you're gonna fight at the same rate, I mean, you're gonna you can get hurt in that ring, you can get killed in that ring. So you've got to make it worth the while. You know, I mean, what's the use of saying, okay, now you can fight three minutes, but there's no changes? You know, I mean. Yeah, you gotta uh, make it worth your while. David, do you think that if they were to fight a three minute round, you're a big proponent that if they fight a three minute round, if females get to fight a three minute round inside a boxing room as a norm in boxing instead of an exception like like uh, Marlene Esparza against Sinisa, oh, I'm sorry, Sinisa Estrada against Marlene Esparza was, 
You're, you're a big believer that if they get to fight a three-minute round, we're going to see more knockouts because you're able to develop your fight better. If they mm-hmm. score more knockouts, they get more exciting, they get more paid. Do you think that's the right path to go on that? Well, the more pay, how do you prove it? How do you prove you're getting more money? I, I mean, I could say, uh, I'll give you 10000 to fight for three-minute rounds. Uh, and then you say, well, I want more. I mean, I, I mean, how do you know that you're going to get more or less? I mean, yeah. Do you know I what agree. I mean? You can't quantify yeah. it. Yeah. You better you have can't. a good manager that knows money. Well, I mean, well, how do you thing. prove that you're getting more yeah. money? It's not like they're gonna say, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you if you fight a two minute round I'll give you eight thousand dollars and you fight a three minute round I'll give you ten thousand. It doesn't work that way, you know. No. Uh, if you're gonna get paid more money, you're gonna get paid more money because you deserve to get paid more money. I don't think it like we said it here before, uh, like it's not like you're punching a clock. You're not you're you're not getting paid like a like a like a laborer working eight hours yeah. a day, you know, and you're not punching a clock. You're you're getting paid for what you're doing inside the ring and for how exciting you are and for how many people you put in seats or you put in front of a TV or a, or a, or an iPad or a computer, you know? So whether it's a two minute round or three minute round, if you're exciting, people are going to want to see you. But the thing is, is that the reason that we're proponents of the three minute round is because it, it, it makes it all equal men and women, you know, which, which we believe women deserve. So that's why I don't believe that. So the argument is, a money thing. It's about an equality thing, David. I think that's what you're trying to go. Yes. Now, the yes, other I'll question... You I, can't prove it. You yeah. can't prove it. Yeah, you can't, you can't quantify it, like you said. That was the perfect word, the, the quantify. Now, the, another question that I asked uh, Ms. Franchon Cruz, Mrs. Franchon Cruz is, uh, you know, we propose here on the show that if to be able to convince the WBC that females should have the right at least to choose you know, like, like to at least, to at least um, request a three-minute round, like Marlene, like, uh, like uh, Sinés Estrada and Marlene Esparza did, like Leila McCarter did back in the day at, in Las Vegas. Like I know, other fighters in California try to do, they, they, they get denied or, or whatever the case. Even though California, like, I think they're open to it if you request it, if both teams. So. At least have at least give the fighters a chance to request it, but the WBC is not even willing to do that. So, um, yeah, so the, but see the WBC, they, the, I I can see where they're. I mean, because they they work with UCLA, they have all the the hit, you know, all their tests and all their research, and that's what the, the WBC goes by. You know that the women, they contest easier i mean the way the formation of the bottom of the skull is different we get mm-hmm. uh they claim ucla says women dehydrate faster so they're going with research and i don't know if wbc is going to bend if they're going with ucla well, the, the platform that we've that we've the the proposal that we've done here on the show to different fighters and we've asked them and we propose is if the WBC doesn't allow you to do it, then are these fighters, the names, are, are they willing to forego fighting for the WBC title? Basically saying the WBC, if you don't let me fight three-minute rounds, I'm not going to fight for your title anymore. And that is a question that I posed to Franchon Cruz Desern, and this is what she had to say. The boxing is going to be here when we're not here, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not up to the sanctioning bodies are going from our purses that we get paid by the promoters. So 
if our promoters are not going to pay us more, we're, we're working kind of harder rather than smarter. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we can fight three-minute rounds. If I'm fighting for X amount of dollars, I'm going to get paid that for two-minute rounds or three-minute rounds. It don't matter. But if mm-hmm. it comes to a situation look like this is what I want and I would like to get paid this, I want, you know, bring bring uh, basically receipts, somebody who's comfortable, like another guy who who has three, mm-hmm. you know, has a belt and, and fights three-minute rounds. Okay, I want something co- way closer to this number for three-minute rounds. This is what I want. Come down to the promoters and, and the actuality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we can just keep putting it out there and keep advocating for it. But the people who bring the money to the table, that's the ones who really kind of hold the power. And I think yeah. for the names you mentioned, like a Katie Taylor to take a stance and have an Eddie Hearn back of her, that's more realistic to me because I feel like she has that power. She does make a good point there that at the end of the day, the promoters are the ones that hold the power because they are paying the sanctioning fees. So if a promoter like an Eddie Hearn, like if Katie Taylor would go to Eddie Hearn and say, hey, Eddie, I want to fight three-minute rounds and I want to fight for my belts. And if Eddie Hearn tells the WBC, hey, if I'm not going to pay your sanctioning fee if you don't let her fight three-minute rounds, then, you know, that's when maybe the WBC is going to start listening. Do you think it's more of the promoter, David, than the fighters or vice versa? I think uh, women's boxing has been stuck in this two-minute round for so long, they just got used to it. So they don't even mm-hmm. think about the three-minute rounds. But the ones that do, they just ask the promoters, and the promoters never say no because they want a better fight. They know two minutes is quick. They know that there's not a, really not enough time to do what you got to do. Uh, they, most promoters are for better fights, period, because they're trying to attract fans. So... Uh, it's not really promoted. It's the fighters. Another but another it, person. But it is the promoters too, because they're the ones with the money, like you said. You know, I mean, are they going to pay? Do they want to pay? But but they, they uh, don't. Get, see, that's what I'm saying about the two minutes and three minutes. There's no difference between two yeah. minutes and three minute pay. You can't prove it. You can't prove that. Well, okay, I'll give you ten. He can just tell you, I'm giving you ten thousand dollars if you fight. Uh, three minute rounds. They never say that. They they just that's say, why, "What do you want to fight? I'll give you this much." Yeah, that's yeah. why you gotta have a good manager who knows money too. I mean, that's what it comes down to, and it comes down to your team. How much, how knowledgeable they are, and how educated, and how much they know money. Because some people True. think, "Oh yeah, ten grand is a lot of money," and then somebody's like, "That's not a lot of money." So it all but, uh, like you're only as good as financial advisor. But I don't. Th- I mean. Yeah. Put it into like a, a world, a, a real life situation. I don't think that Sinesa Estrada and Marlene Esparza got paid more money because they fought a three minute round. They got paid because every, that's the fight that everybody wanted to see and because it was for a title. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's the re- and, mm-hmm. But they chose Sinesa Estrada and Marlene Esparza, they chose to ask for the three minute round because they felt that they were ready for it. So, mm-hmm. so I think that that was a. Uh, 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 you know, I think that that's the way to go. But I do believe that Cruz Desern had a good point um, regarding, um, you know, maybe putting it on the promoters as well. Now, another person that is listening to the show as well, and she actually has a really good idea, 
is the uh, WBA light welterweight champion, Miss Kelly Reese, who actually posted on Twitter said, uh, start by adding two more rounds and two minutes for world title fights, you will see more knockouts. And that might be a good point as well, because now they're fighting for 10 mm-hmm. rounds uh, in a world title fight. But if you're fighting, even if it's a two-minute round at two, at, at, for 12 rounds, you would have a true championship rounds like the men do, which will be the 11th and the 12th. And you would have to see the conditioning of the women um, that they're ready for those two extra rounds, even if it's at 12, uh, two minutes. And we might start seeing some knockouts there as well. So that, that might be a good, that might be a good step in the right direction. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. All right. So let's move on right. to our fight chatter. And this is where we're going to talk about the prizefighters.com awards. This is a, a website. Obviously, if you guys have been listening to the show, that David and I write for, uh, uh, along with uh, a bunch of other writers that we all, it's all female boxing. It's called theprizefighters.com. You can go on there. We have uh, fight reports and exclusive interviews and, and all that stuff. So David put up this um, these awards for the end of the year like we do every year, and we're going to talk about them uh, fairly quickly here. Uh, Fighter of the Year, Mr. David Avila. And the reason I mentioned that David Avila uh, chose them is because, Mine is different, and, and maybe Lupus is different as well, and then we could kind of talk about that. He chose as a fight of the year, Ms. Jessica McCaskill. Lupe, do you agree with David, Jessica McCaskill? Yes, I do. And for those of you on, on social media, Twitter, who say that me and David always agree with each other, well, I am <laughs> agreeing with them. Because <laughs> you know what? I mean, it may not have been pretty, but she had the biggest fight of the year. She beat Cecilia Brackett, the icon who we all love, on her 26th title defense. And not only took all the belts, but she stopped her from making history. To me, it was the biggest fight of the year. Well, I don't agree with David. My fight of the year was Katie Taylor. And even though what Jessica McCaskill did was very impressive to me, it wasn't convincing enough. I think there was enough question marks there. Obviously, the judges gave her the win. Um but and she did defeat Cecilia Breakhouse, who is a legend, and she did do something uh, historic and legendary. But for me, um, Katie Taylor's win over Delphine Pursuing in the rematch was uh, much more convincing. And also her second fight that she had of the year, uh, defending her titles against Miriam Gutierrez, the unde- previously undefeated Miriam Gutierrez of Spain, was enough for me to look at her as the fighter of the year, as well as other. Uh, people named their uh, the BWAA named their fighter of the year ESPN named their fighter of the year Ring Magazine named their fighter of the year but I can't argue with Jessica McCaskill I mean she's a great choice as well but for me it was uh, Ireland's Katie Taylor also David had her as a runner up and also the other runner up was Mexico's Julian Julian Luna who is the new WBC 180 pound champion now fighter of the year we have uh, Cedar Ruz against Napoleon Espinosa, which was uh, in January. I completely agree with that uh, with that choice. I think that was a great fight, and it was the great, the best fight of the year. Lupe, do you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. You know, that was great because you had um, Alicia Napoleon. I mean, she was a WBA champ for a couple years, and here she fought. What was um, Elin? Was she a rower or a swimmer? I just, you know, I Something thought, like that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a great fight. But, you know, I keep, even to this morning, I kept going back on fight, back and forth in my head on fight of the year. And it was this one, it was Taylor Pursuit, and then I always go back to Juliana and Mariana. But 
There were some great fights this year during COVID pandemic. You got to admit, there was great fights. Yes, one of them as a one of them. David has a runner-up is Taylor Katie Taylor against Pursuit Two, Delphine Pursuit, which was the rematch from their June 2019 fight at uh, Madison Square Garden, and then also Terry Harper against the Tatcha Jonas was also a great fight as the runner-up upset of the year. Mexico's Juliana Luna scoring a unanimous decision over Mariana Labarri Juarez. Runner-up, uh, uh, the runner-up was her sister, well, uh, sorry, Lourdes Juarez beating Guadalupe Martinez, and also Jessica McCaskill beating Cecilia Breakouts. But I do agree with the Luna against Mariana uh, upset of the year. I don't think any of us saw that coming. I mean, we did see maybe like there, we saw the path of McCaskill beating breakouts. I mean, it, it wasn't uh, something that that was unbelievable, you know. Um, and we, and then, like David said in our review, that he thought that Lourdes could beat Martinez, but none of us really thought that Luna had any chance against Juarez because Juarez was thinking of so much bigger fights, David, including mm-hmm. the Jackie Nava fight. So I, th- I think for sure uh, Juliana Luna was the upset of the year against Mariana Juarez. And the way that she did it, which wasn't even close. I mean, I wasn't close. I mean, she she beat her convincingly without a doubt, David. Yeah, no, she did very, very, very well. I mean, I knew she was good, but I didn't think she would beat uh, Mariana, honestly. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't think she, beat her, she beat her not only in the ring, but she beat her to where she had that breakdown afterwards, you know, when she flipped out. It was... It was yeah. interesting to watch. It was um, a little unsettling to watch because you know you're not used to Mariana being like that, you know. And wow, mm. it really caught her off guard. And then we have uh, KO of the year was Esudo Taka K knocking out Ayaka Tara. Miao. What's that? that Tara? Great. Oh my boy. Tara. Tara. Yeah. Yeah. Knocking out uh, Ayaka Miao uh, in Japan. That was a great. Uh, it was a, like a straight, a short straight right that kind of like, like just put left, her out, left. completely out. Yeah. Uh, left. The left right. hand. Yeah. And then we have the runner-up, Shannon Courtney's knocking out Dorotea Norik in the seventh round. And then also, uh, I mean, David, Seniesa Estrada knocking out Miranda Atkins. I mean, okay. yes, it was, a, it was a knockout. It was a great knockout, but <laughs> I don't think any of us want to remember that. What, that, uh, no. <laughs> that, uh, I think, uh, I, you know why I, I listed it in there because that knockout got more than a million views on it. You're right. No other knockout got that. No other knockout. That, that was, was incredible true. in itself for, for women's boxing. Just people wanted to see this girl knock out somebody in seven seconds. Oh, my gosh. She <laughs> she did her a favor, though. Sanisa did, it, did her a favor. Well, well, well I don't know if you guys – Know who that Kinsey is? Uh, that social media uh, star. She she actually convinced Sunisa to hit her. And oh yeah, Sunisa, I saw that. Yeah, Sunisa hit her with one shot, and she I mean it she it was like that. a gunshot. <laughs> and she was down the neck, and then she had this big giant bruise on her cheek. And she was so <laughs> <It> pretty. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like astonishing. And she took it down, but I think she put it back up again. I'm not sure. <laughs> now you're gonna have now the 
now we have uh, moving on to the promoter of the year is Eddie Hearn. I think there's no denying Eddie Hearn and yeah. Frank put on a couple of female fights. They actually put on during COVID. They put on two, three female fights. Uh, Eddie Hearn did, um, which was uh, Michaela Mayer, Tim Cavell, and then Michaela Mayer again. But it does not compare to the work that Eddie Hearn did uh, for female boxing, signing three fourths of all the champions at 130 pounds. Yeah. You know, signing the Ebony, Ebony Bridges, the Rachel Ball Courtney fight, the Taylor fights. I mean, it was Eddie Hearn was relentless with his female boxing in 2020. So there's no runner up, quite honestly. I mean, even top rank I mentioned, yeah. but. Really, no comparison. And then the most electrifying performance was Sinesa Estrada, and that's based on the Miranda Atkins fight, David. Yeah, and the one million views. I mean, that was crazy how the reaction was. I mean, people that didn't even follow boxing knew about that. I'm not kidding you. I, I somebody asked me, "What about that little girl that knocked somebody out in seven <laughs> seconds?" I saw her. This guy had never seen boxing before. But he saw that. Yeah, it made um, Sports Center top ten. Wow! Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You know, there was another girl. Um, I, if you want to talk electrifying, it was that Melissa Odessa, Melissa Odessa Parker, and she was at the very end of the year. You guys know I'm talking I about. I saw that. And she, she that. knocked out that uh, Brittany Sims a couple times, knocked her down. That was also, you know, I that went. Was a good one. I saw. It was a good one. And that other, that girl, Brittany, who got knocked out, she was um, talking on social media saying, if anybody tell Melissa Odessa when she shows up, I'm going to knock her out. I mean, she was talking. She even called that Clarissa Shields. And this girl's like, really small. So then that <laughs> happened. And it was like, wow, what a statement. You got to be careful what you say. This is a, an abridged version of those awards that David uh, posted. But if you want to see the rest of them, you can go on uh, theprizefighters.com and see the rest of the list there. Also, um, let's move on to uh, – and these are not all the WBC nominations because the WBC has nominations of, uh, of, you know, fight of the year and things like that. And they're the only sanctioning body that did it for the women. But I only chose because of time-wise uh, the most interesting ones to me uh, – so that we could discuss here. And these are their nominations. Obviously, um, they only have fighters, um, you know, they only have fights that they were a part of, the WBC was a part of. They're not going to put on anything else that they weren't a part of. But, and we're going to, I'm going to give you a very plain uh, uh, example of that in one of these, in one of these uh, categories. But as fighters of the year, they have Harper versus Sanders, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Juarez against Martinez, obviously Lourdes Juarez against uh, Guadalupe Martinez, Katie Taylor against Pursuit 2, Mariana Juarez against Julian Luna, which I don't believe should be nominated as fight of the year because it was a one lap, yeah. it was a lopsided fight. I mean, there's not, that's not a fight of the year. Macastio yeah. Breco, and then uh, Emma Cozen against uh, uh, Namus, Chris Namus. So that's what they have as uh, their fight of the year. I mean, we already know we we, we chose uh, they don't even have Teddy Ruz, uh Napoleon Espinosa. Yeah. Why? Because WBC is not involved in that fight. So dramatic fight of the year. What is a dramatic fight? I don't really understand what a dramatic fight of the year is. They have Marlene Esparza against Sulem Urbina, Shadasha Green against Marta Patricia Gaitan, 
Savannah Marshall against Anna Rankin, Tania Enriquez against Elizabeth Lopez Corso, Jackie Nava against Marisol Corona, and Jamiles Mercado against Iracema Rayas. And I don't know what they they mean as a as a uh, I do. as a dramatic fight. Go ahead, because you can explain it to me. You know what I- it was we were watching um when me and my sister were watching Savannah Marshall and Hannah Rankin, we had our hands over our mouths and we were just looking at each other. That's me, that was a dramatic fight. That would be my pick. That was incredible. Because we didn't know what to expect. Like I was thinking that it was gonna be like this I didn't know it was Savannah was gonna come out and freaking just outbox and just pick her apart. That was incredible. Were you guys as surprised as I was? As far as which fight? Uh, Savannah Marshall versus Hannah Rankin. I was. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was dramatic. Uh, Marlene Esparza yeah. was. Was Marlene Esparza Salimon Vina dramatic? I mean, after what three or four rounds, we kind of saw that Urbina really didn't have any other answers, and she, and and yeah. Esparza was taking it. Um, the Jackie Nava, Marisol Corona, and the Yamiles Mercado, Ida Semarayas, those were just key busy fights for both women, yeah. for Nava and Mercado. So I don't know what dramatic fight, what part of the fight was dramatic. So, But those are the nominations. Then we have performance of the year. We have Julian Luna against Mariana Juarez, Terry Harper against Katarina Tanders, Clarissa Shields against Ivana Habazin, no. Jessica McCaskill against Cecilia Breakhouse, no. Chantel Cameron against Adriana Dos Santos, and Lourdes Juarez against Guadalupe Martinez. So, I mean, for me, the performance was uh, Luna, the way that she was able to stay disciplined and and, uh, yeah. and control the fight against Mariana Juarez. So I could agree with that. The other ones, I mean, Shields, yeah. we were really expecting anything different from Shields against Ivana Havison. Yeah. You know, yeah. Who knows? And maybe Lourdes Juarez should get on there too as a runner-up. Revelation of the year, Julian Luna. Chantel Cameron, Shadasha Green, Emma Posen, Lourdes Juarez, and Rachel Ball. So yeah, that is that's a good that's a good uh, category. And then Boxer of the Year: Julian Luna, Clarissa Shields, Katie Taylor, Sinise Estrada, Jessica McCaskill, and Terry Harper. And then this is the one that I found very amusing: was the Prospect of the Year, which mm-hmm. was Sophie Alich, Kim Clavel, Michaela Mayer, Judith Vivanco. Elizabeth Cruz Lopez and Marilyn Badillo Amaya, and for them to include Michaela Mayer as a prospect when she's already the WBA champion, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's only because she doesn't have their belt. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So I think who sweeps everything is Juliana Luna. She sweeps it all, except for prospects. Yeah. Well, folks. Uh, Let's move on to what we feel should be some of the fights that we should see in 2021. Some of them are no-brainers that already have been talked about or that were scheduled in 2020 and have not had to happen. And then other ones are ones that uh, that I wrote the article that I would like to see, and then I want to know if Lupe and David would agree with me. One that I counted as a as – a, as one fight is a super featherweight tourney, which we've been talking about the whole show, mm-hmm. Michaela Mayer against Hamadouche or whatever, whichever way you want to put it in, Michaela Mayer yeah. against Haiva Hamadouche, Huming mm-hmm. Choi against Terry Harper, and then the winners face each other. You know, that's something that maybe, David, and I want to know your opinion, maybe we don't see the whole tournament in its completion in 2021, but 
for the mm. betterment of female boxing, we have to at least see the start of it in 2021. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How about you? Yeah. I actually think it will happen. The whole thing? It should happen. Yeah. I the, the reason I say that is that the women are not afraid to fight. The, mm-hmm. uh, right now you got the men – a lot of them don't want to fight because they want more money when there isn't that much money because there's no fans. And the women are saying they'll fight. You know, they, they, they're ready to go. So far, very few women have said no, whereas the men yeah. have said, many men have said no. That's why you had all these great female fights, because the men didn't want to fight and the women took their place. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's true. It's true. But you know, I, I love all those fights in the, in the super featherweight. My question is, you know, Hamadouche, besides the last fight she just had, she, her last eight fights were amateur. How is this going to affect her, you guys, toggling back and forth? Do you think, do you think, Lupi, that if they offered her a good amount of money that she would, like, for, to have these fights, that she would forget about the Olympics? Or do you think her dream is big enough that she wants to continue with that. I think it's big enough. It seems like it's it's what she wants. I mean, she's her last eight fights. She really went for it. So I think she wants to do both. I mean, I, I'm not for it. I think you know. I mean, you go either way. You keep the amateurs to the younger, and then I don't know. I, I don't. I, I I don't. I don't agree with what she's doing. But that's just me. But she's fortunate. She gets to do both. You know. I mean. Nobody's stopping her. I just like to know how she's going to, um, I mean, fighting the amateurs is different than fighting Michaela Mayer, you know? Totally different. Yeah. So our, the next fight that I have here is Maricela Cornejo against Raquel Miller. And that is a fight that has been talked about for quite some time, for a couple of years. They've actually even did a little face-off in Vegas when they, when they saw each other at a fight out yeah. there. Back in the day, and there was talk out there that Raquel Miller was possibly going to fight Anna Gabriels, but I think that she needs a little bit more experience under her belt. And Cornejo, if you follow her on social media, if you have realized that she has done the work and has dropped from 168 to 154, you know, so she's right in the wheelhouse for Raquel Miller in the weight class that Miller uh, campaigns at. So I think that it's time to to uh, kind of like revisit this fight because I think it's exciting. I think both fight, fighters um, have a, a, a good social media following, which can talk, mm-hmm. which can create some 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 uh, some excitement for this fight. So I really I really hope that this fight can be made in 2021. She has to Raquel has to make a move somewhere. I mean, when's the last time she fought? Well, she did fight last year, right? But she's got to make a move. I mean, what is she? She, she didn't fight in 2020, her... did she? No, I don't think know. it was 2020. I remember I saw it. I think I saw 19. her last fight. Yeah, I yeah. think it was uh, her last fight, and it was in 2019. Hawaiian so... Gardens. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And Cornejo but didn't. She... I, don't think, I don't think Cornejo fought in 2020 either. No, I don't think so. So that would be a good fight. I mean, Raquel, she had her chance at Clarissa, and the more she waits, she just keeps getting pushed down the ladder, you know? So Maricela probably is where it is. Yeah, and, and I think that he's, both of them, I mean, Cornejo, we've seen her fight. Uh, we saw her fight uh, 
let me see. Her last fight was in um, September of 2019, and she lost to French on Cruz de Zern. And mm-hmm. she needs a good name on her resume. She needs to beat a good fighter and a fighter that she could beat. That she could um, beat. I mean, I don't know if she could win. I mean, it's a 50-50 fight, uh, but, a, but a good name would be Raquel Miller, you know, yeah. uh, to get her back in the mix of things. You know, and now that she's yeah. fighting at 154, if she's gone down to 154, then, you know, and, and, and vice versa with Raquel Miller as well. So she needs a, a Marisela Cornejo on her, on her, uh, on her record because the, the best name that she has, I think it's Erin uh, Aaron, Aaron, uh, Tuffhill, right? I mean, she yeah. beat Ashley Curry, but Ashley Curry had an upside down record when she faced her of seven wins, 11 losses, four knockouts. You know, she has yeah, and Aaron Tuffield's a lot older than her. Aaron Tuffield's yeah. older. Yeah. You know? She's very so good. Cornejo, yeah. So Cornejo yeah, yeah. would be a good name to have on her resume uh, moving forward and starting out 2021. So I think that's a, mm-hmm. that would be a good fight to make. Now, the, ne- the next fight is obviously a no-brainer. And obviously, and hopefully it's in talks. There is a rematch clause. And that would be uh, the new undisputed uh welterweight champion Jessica McCaskill against Cecilia Breakhouse. That would be the rematch. Um, mm-hmm. Both women want it. They've been saying it on social media. There is a rematch clause. Breakhouse kind of was on the fence after the fight. She was even going to fight again. Now she's saying she wants to fight and she wants the rematch. She wants it in the first uh, trimester of 2021. So hopefully they can yeah. get that made and, um, and we can see that fight in, in the new year. The other fight would be Jackie Nava she was in talks. It looked like she was going to face Mariana Barbie Juarez, but after Barbie Juarez lost, Nava publicly stated that since Juarez doesn't have the title anymore, the 100 w, WBC 118-pound title, that she didn't see the reason for the fight. So why not have her face the woman that beat Mariana Juarez for that WBC Bantamweight title, yeah. Julian Luna? So that is the fight Ooh. that I would like to see um, in 2021, even though Nava kind of has alluded that maybe she's done, she's 40 years old and maybe she's done, but if she does want to come back and she always had that dream of capturing that 118 pound title against, uh, for that WBC, then why not go after Julian Luna in 2021? Because if she's going to do it, she's going to have to do it in 2021. Another fight that would be interesting now that Christina Hammer, their former 160 pound champion has gone up to the 168 pound division is against the WBO and WBC world champion, Franchon Cruz Desern. I did pose that question to her in the week uh, prior to her last fight this last Saturday. And Cruz Desern said that she would like to face Christina Hammer, but first she would like to unify against Eileen Roots. So she yeah. did say that if she had her choice, she would go after Elin Cedarus first and then face Christina Hammer. David, do you think that's a good idea to unify first, or do you think that it would be wiser for her to kind of get Christina Hammer's uh, name on her resume and then go after Elin Cedarus? No, I think it's wiser to, to go for the unification because that means more money for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fred yeah, brings those W. Franchon brings the WBC and WBO, right? And then Aaron bring, Elon brings the WBA and the IBF. Yeah, so it'll be a great. unification fight. I, I, really, I really hope to see that fight in 2021. Uh, but but, a, but you know what? You're right, Felipe, that a Cruz, Desern versus Hammer, that's, that's a name fight, you know, because Christina's got that name. So that's a big yeah. name fight. And 
you also have to think, which is the next fight on the list, is that if somebody deserves a rematch in 2021, it's Alicia Napoleon Espinosa. Yeah. She deserves that rematch against Elise and Ruth, and that is another fight that we would like to see in 2021. So if that fight yeah. needs to happen first, so then while Napoleon Espinosa is trying to get her belt back and maybe another one in beating Cedarus, Cruz Desern can go after Hammer in the meantime and get that name fight like you mentioned, Lupi. Mm-hmm. But if Definitely. they... But I'm sure, and I'm sure at least Napoleon Espinosa would like to have the rematch against Cedarus. Another fight that we want to see in 2021 is actually the return of Clarissa Shields to boxing. We all know that she is trained and she is training MMA. She's looking to fight MMA in 2021, but we do need her to come back to boxing also in the next 12 months. And why not? in the fight that she was supposed to have back in May before COVID-19 knocked it out against the Canadian Marie Eve DeCary, uh, who holds the IBF title. So that is a fight that we do want to see in in uh, 2021. Another fight that we want to see is the winner of the winner of McCaskill Breakhouse, the rematch against the unified lightweight champion Katie Taylor. Obviously, Cater Taylor has mentioned that she is willing to go to up to a catch weight of maybe 43, 44 to face uh, McCaskill or Breakhouse. But obviously, because of contractual uh, agree- the agreement, there has to be a rematch against McCaskill Breakhouse. So why not in some time in the second half of 2021 see the fight between Katie Taylor and McCaskill Breakhouse? With that said, David, do you think – the time for Amanda Serrano to face Taylor and that whole, um, that whole, uh, and, and, you know, anticipation and everybody wanting to see that fight has gone through the wayside and Amanda Serrano maybe has lost her opportunity to face Kay Taylor. And now we're more excited about having Taylor face the winner of McCaskill and Breakouts. Um, I think, um, Serrano is always going to be there as long as she keeps winning Mm -hmm. because of her power. She, I mean, she's one of the few girls that can knock you out with one shot, and that's always going to be intriguing for any fan. Yeah, I agree. But I, I personally, I personally, and Lupe, I'll get your uh, opinion right now. I personally, I'm more excited about McCaskill Breakhouse winner against Taylor. And if Serrano happens, then great. But I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not vying for it anymore. I mean, we talked about it for the last two years. You know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But I'm not like, you know trying to push for it. I'd rather see the winner of McCaskill Breakhouse now. I think that's more interesting right now. Yeah, it is it is more it is interesting, but you know, when you look at this list, there's like there's a lot of fights to go around, you know, get Serrano in there. We didn't mention Callie Reeves. There are so many fights. Like what twenty twenty one could be a, a really great year and who's gonna put these fights up? That's like it happened to Taylor McCaskill breakout winner because they're all under the zone banner and Eddie Hearn, so that could happen. Another another fight that we talked about earlier in the show was, and it looks like it's uh, it's on the path of maybe happening next is uh, Jelena Moranovic against Amanda Serrano. Amanda Serrano is the interim WBC mm-hmm. featherweight champion. Moranovic holds the WBC and WBA title. They, you know, mm-hmm. they wanted to ask Moranovic about it after the, her last fight, but she kind of stopped the interviewer saying, "Hey, let me have my night. We could talk about that later." David, do you think that fight happens? We've seen it before. Price, people, Absolutely. One team, 
one team accuses the other of pricing themselves out and one thing leads to another and blah, blah, blah. Do you think now in 2021 is the day that we're going to see the fight? Oh, it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like you and, you know, Jelena says, says she doesn't fight for anything less than 40. She won't get in the ring for less than 40. But it's her that versus Toronto, I mean, that's a big money fight. So she should get out of bed for it because it would be more than 40 grand. Wow. And lastly on our list is Sinis Estrada against... Versus everybody. <laughs> Sinis Estrada against <laughs> Evelyn Bermudez of Argentina. Obviously, Sinis Estrada has been linked to Yesenia Gomez, the WBC 108-pound champion. She's been linked to... Naoko Fuyoka, she's been linked to maybe a rematch with Marlene Esparza. But for me, I think that a real good fighter at 108 pounds will be an also undefeated Argentine, the Argentinian Evelyn Bermudez, who only has one little slight blemish because when she went to Mexico, she drew against Silvia Torres. But I think that would be a great fight. And also, if they bring her to the United States, it gives us the opportunity to see one of the sisters fight in the United States. Well, I have some news for you guys. Um, negotiations are going on right now between Etsuko Tada and Sinisa Estrada for February 13th. In the United States? Negotiating, yes, it'll be at at Pansy Springs on the 13th. And they're negotiating right now. Uh, It looks like uh, they both agree. Contracts have not been signed yet, but uh, it looks like uh, a strong chance it's going to happen. On February 13th. Oh, that'd be a nice one. That'd be and, great. And for those that don't know, that Tata is the one that got knocked out of the year. Oh, but what weight class is that? <laughs> it's 105 WBO world title. Oh, 105, huh? See, oh, yeah, I see the here. The more belts she needs to get, she can um, work her way up to the Asenia. So then she has to. Yeah. Now, yeah, one so thing. By the next, our next show, we should know. We should have some info. Okay, and our next show is scheduled for January 21st. And one thing that we do want to mention is that it was originally slated that Yocasta Valle, the IBF strawweight champion, 105-pound champion, was going to face Tina Rupert, the WBC champion, originally in December in Germany. Then because of COVID, they moved it to January 16th to Costa Rica. And now because of some shenanigans with the judges by the by the <laughs> German team, Tina Rupert, it seems like that fight is off. And now Yocasta Valle is going to be defending against the IPF number one ranked fighter. I forget her name, but she's a Japanese lady. And she's going to be fighting on January 30th in Costa Rica. So that is going to be Yocasta Valle's next fight, which was announced earlier this week. Yes, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have more on that. We'll have more on that on our, on our Dana, next show. Hey, Felipe, that's yeah. Dana Hasuki. Yeah, there you go. Now, guys, there's no there's no upcoming calendar. There's no major fights in the next couple of weeks. Our next show is January 5th, 21st. But we do have a couple of calls. Let's see if they want to come on the show. Uh, we only have about five minutes left. Let's see who we have on the line. We have 267-257. Area code 267. First three is 257. Welcome to the two-minute round. Who do we have on the line? Oh, come on, Felipe. It's your buddy, Brian Cohen. Oh, Give me one yeah. second. Here we one, go, one second. <laughs> All right. I put him on hold because Brian, uh, 
there's some there's some issues there. So let's go with nine one seven seven four zero. Nine one seven seven four zero. Felipe, I have two phone numbers. I'm calling well, you from two numbers. And we'll put there's you on hold no on this one, Brian. You. you don't want to do Brian? No, <laughs> I'm not gonna do Brian. And, and I, I'll go into it. I'll go into it on why I don't want to do it, Brian. He can come on the show, but there's some something has to happen before he comes on the show, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna announce it. I'm not gonna announce it publicly. If he wants to, if he wants to uh, contact me uh, through other means, then. But and I and I hope you guys agree with me that for me, he's not welcome on the show until something happens behind uh, behind uh, behind the scenes here. So. Uh, this is our first show of 2021, Two Minute Round, Hooks and Jazz Look at Female Boxing. This is uh, episode number 101. We want to thank you all for being with us on the show. Any closing arguments, Lupe, before we close down the show? Uh, all I have to say is I wish there was a heavyweight division that we can talk about, but until D. Perkins comes up and out and people come, you know, off the ranks, that's all I have. Just missing David- the heavyweights. So David, we should no, have happy some. New- Before we go happy to that, David, and, uh, talk to you. Yeah, we should have some news regarding the the Sinesa uh, Strata fight. See if that happens in Gustata, and then we'll have some more with the uh, uh, who are we talking about? Yokasta Valle, right? And the Japanese fighter. Correct. Correct. All right, folks. So we want to thank all you guys for listening to our show number one hundred and one, the first one of the year. We're gonna be here for the rest of the year. Thank you for being with us, and we bid you good night. Good night. Bye.